I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Who's on Worst, a podcast all about bad baseball movies. We are a part of the D-Ray Bay's podcast network. I'm your host, Ashley McLennan. Joining me is my co-host, Darby Robinson. And in the background, you might get a little bit of action from Brett Rutherford, our lovely producer. Uh, and this week on our inaugural, 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 wow, I'm making up words already and it's early and I'm not even drinking. Um, on our inaugural podcast, we are going to talk about The Scout, the 1994 Albert Brooks, um, Brendan Fraser vehicle uh, that is sure something. Um, I got to start out by saying about it, uh, directed by Michael Ritchie, um, but the writing credits on this are what kind of melted my face off. Um, screenplays by Andrew Bergman, but I actually had to pause the movie about five minutes in because it is based on an article by Roger Angel. <sighs> the Roger Angel. My beloved Roger Angel has a writing credit on this movie. He did not write the movie, but apparently uh, is responsible in some way for its existence. Which I'm sure he's absolutely loves that the fact that he's... Uh, big screen credit is going to be for this yeah. this film yeah. I, i'm sure he has a poster of the scout on his <laughs> wall uh hanging over his desk next to his ten thousand new yorker articles and what is surely a million writing awards but i'm sure it's the absolute highlight of his career um i have to look up to see if roger angel has any other writing credits but darby why don't you give us a little breakdown of um what the movie is about. Oh boy, yeah, this and this this movie's a mess. Okay, so basically the scout is about Albert Brooks as a scout for the New York Yankees who uh is you know, he wheels and deals and he's he kind of tries to find some stuff and after a uh colossal failure of a uh his newest prospect that he signs uh Albert Brooks playing Al Percolo, the scout, ends up down in Mexico, uh, kind of as a punishment, uh, forced to scout all of these uh, hilarious and zany baseball adjacent type of games, uh, when all of a sudden he discovers Steve Nebraska, the greatest baseball prospect of all time, played by Brendan Fraser. He's Shohei Otani uh, mixed with Sid Finch. He is the, the uh, is a legend. He can do it all. And uh, it's Albert Brooks's, is his ticket to stardom and fame and success fortune. in the Lots scouting world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and then there's more from there. This movie doesn't know what it's doing tone wise. Um, but that's basically the premise. It's Brendan Fraser. It's Albert Brooks. Uh, I would say at the height of their powers, but I think everybody's everybody's really upset to be in this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, what did you, what did you think of this as a 
as a movie, as a piece of fiction with a story. There's apparently three art, three acts in this. Uh, there's as technically a, a protagonist. And then like, what, what did you think of this as a movie? As a movie, this one really suffered from a, a lack of understanding of what tone it wanted to set. It couldn't quite decide if it wanted to be a comedy, like a zany, wacky, over the top, like Encino Man style Brendan Fraser comedy. It couldn't decide if it wanted to be a really tense drama. Um, with a slight trigger warning, there is like, going to be a little bit of discussion of abuse in this, which is not something I expected from this zany baseball romp. Um, and then I couldn't tell if maybe it was on the verge of becoming a psycho killer like Al, Al being murdered in his like sleep at night because Steve Nebraska is, pardon my French, an effing psycho. Like there's, there's, no, there's no easy tone for this. And it's, you could take the baseball right out of this and have this guy be a great concert pianist or any other like potential great in, innate talent. And the movie would have played the exact same way. It, it, it didn't need baseball to run. And I don't know what this movie was trying to say. The tone is, is an absolute nightmare. It's, it is, you mentioned that they, this film for tries and very, very badly fails to inject uh, some very serious topics into this film while also mixing in uh, just the most flat landing slapstick like I have ever seen. And yeah, the tone is all of a mess. That's, like, that's the biggest thing, right? So Steve Nebraska, Brendan Fraser is, uh, he is not good in this movie. He is, a, he, it is the, it is the absolutely reason why the movie does not work. And I don't know if it's just the script or if it's Brendan Fraser or the direction that he's given, but he does not, he, he like is a absolute, God bless Albert Brooks, because he is trying his his absolute best but oh man every time that brendan fraser's on screen it's just uncomfortable i am physically uncomfortable the entire time it so i think brett wants to say something but I, so i'll let him go I, I, the only thing i was gonna say i think it has to be the script because quite frankly the moments where brendan fraser shines in this movie are where he's just making facial gestures like he has this like at the very end this like super cocky smile when he's going in to like finish the perfect game, spoiler alert. Um, and it, it, it reads, like he reads as a really cocky, self-assured pitcher. And the rest of it is because of the tone of the movie. Like there's just, there's nothing for him to grab onto. And I think it just puts him all over the place. Ashley, you mentioned Andrew Bergman. Uh, do you know like his, the, the film he's probably most, most known for writing? I don't. He wrote Blazing Saddles, which is one of the most critically acclaimed slapstick comedies of all time. And you guys mentioned this, like the, the film really had no idea which direction it was going to go in. It felt like it was going to be a slapstick movie. Yeah. And feel good, triumphant movie, which wasn't really funny at all. Yeah. Albert Ber or Andrew Bergman wrote this, this movie and you kind of feel like the first 30 minutes or so, you kind of get that slapstick vibe. And I thought it, it like some of the jokes landed, not definitely not all of them. They definitely did not have a high batting, uh, batting average, 
but some of the jokes were were pretty solid there. Yeah, at the beginning, I think you're right. The parts where he's going to pick up the the prospect played by Michael Rappaport, um, who's barely recognizable as this skinny kid from like the Midwest uh, with the greatest fake baseball name I have ever heard in Tommy Lacey. Like, come on. That is just a mm, chef's kiss of a fake baseball name. Like, I got to give him credit for that. Um, but the stuff where Albert Brooks is going over to, to Tommy Lacey's parents' house, and they're, like, really devout Christians, and he he's trying to convince them that the Yankees are an above-board, super religious organization, and they've got pictures of Jesus in the clubhouse. And I think one of the jokes that all of us agreed was pretty good was, like, hey, did you know that, like, Mickey Mantle's sister was a very famous nun? And they're like, really? What was her name? And he sits there, and he's just, like, got to make it up because he really is not expecting to be called on his, his BS. And he's like, uh, I think her name was also Mickey, but with an I, uh, uh, Sister Mickey, Mickey Margaret Mantle. And like stuff like that while being the, the, I hate to like say that like jokes about disease landed, but the Lou Gehrig joke was pretty good. Um, but everything kind of like up to the point where Al goes to Mexico. And I think there's a scene where you can actually feel the switch and the switch is at the dinner scene where they're eating tacos and Brendan Fraser starts to like chew holes in his taco and like makes himself a little taco mask. And you feel like that was in there to be funny, but it's the very first moment you're going, what the F is going on with this kid? Cause like until that point, he kind of gives you, you know, Daniel Norris meets Steve from Stranger Things you know, meets a little bit of Tyler Glasnow's flow with the hair. And he kind of gives you that like young cocky pitcher vibe. But then that's the scene where he's like signing autographs for kids and then chews himself a face mask of taco. And you're like, what is this movie? Because it's played super creepy in that Albert Brooks is sitting there going, don't, 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 don't. And he's like super uncomfortable. And the, so are you. The uncomfortability of there is totally true. Like it, it also just really comes out of left field because the humor isn't quite that yet. It's very Albert Brooks humor for a lot of it, which is a lot of like quick kind of sharp dialogue, a lot of sar sarcasm, a lot of nice cynicism. Uh, and then there's this just very uncomfortably weird thing where even at that point, we've actually gotten to have a little bit of dialogue from Brendan Fraser and Steve Nebraska and you're kind of getting to know him a little bit. And he's and you mentioned like the Daniel, it's like actually a really good comparison because he's, he is this very much like he just goes out there and it's like, whatever. I, he even mentions how like, maybe he's not that good at baseball. Maybe he's just really good for the competition, which is like, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's part of scouting actually would be knowing like the, you know, if people are good for their competition or whatnot. And then that happens. And at that point, you just, it's just like steering out off into a dirt road and you were just like, everything was great and now everything is out of control and at that point there's not a comfortable moment the rest of the way there's just like no. an hour of just uncomfortable terror <laughs> the rest it's, of the way it's very uncomfy because they tow this weird line with steve where you can't get a vibe on whether or not he's like childlike and there's something like where he just hasn't developed completely and he just is trapped in a childlike mode. 
and then he'll switch instantly and it'll be like look at my box of phone numbers i'm going to go call some girls like he literally goes from jumping on al's bed like a child to saying hey speaking of i'm going to call some ladies up to my new like stranger friend's apartment and like get a little action the most it's uncomfortable thing in this film is the fact that steve nebraska is both aware of sex and very sexually active and also oftentimes seemingly like uh, an eight-year-old child. Yeah. I do not like those things together at all. Those are two not great tastes that taste great together. I did not like that and felt very uncomfortable. Like, I, you, I, I think the idea could be that he is, um, only, I, my wife actually mentioned, it's sort of like George of the Jungle, another Brendan Fraser classic, where it's like this guy's brought into the city, he doesn't know how to act, right, around like, like a city and and it's a fish out of water type of thing but the fact that he also is very much it just it just fluctuates too rapidly yeah. between is he a is he like a arrested development child or is he um like some deranged like sociopath i just don't know and i still don't know at the end of the film no. they don't even like explain that at all that's that's the thing. and and poor Diane Weist, poor Diane Weist is so wholly like like lost and wasted on this movie. She plays Doctor Aaron, who is the required therapist that Steve has to go visit to get a letter after he pretty much assaults a photographer at his first press conference. Um, and the Yankees are like, look, we're gonna spend an insane amount of money on this guy. We'll get back to questions of the reality of the baseball of that contract signing when we talk about how the baseball flows. But um, she has to go to a court mandated, like a, a team mandated therapist. And that's that raised an asterisk for me because I don't know that a team can require somebody to have to go to a therapist. I know there's physicals, but that sure rang some alarms for me. I'm like, I don't, I don't think that they can ask for that. Um, regardless, Al takes him to go see Dr. Aaron. Dr. Aaron almost immediately recognizes that Steve is off his rocker because he's, you know, sitting in her, her lounge like a, a child ripping perfume samples out of magazines and sniffing them and then immediately takes off his pants upon entering her office because he thinks it's a physical because he doesn't know what a psychiatrist is. There's a lot of therapy shaming in this movie, by the way, just as a little aside. There are tons of shade at people for, for seeking therapy, which is, you know, it's 1994, but it's cringy. So just mentioning that. Um, and, and then he immediately has no recognition of what human emotion is in a bunch of photos, which is legitimately a sign of psychopathy and sociopaths. Like he, he misunderstands all of the human emotions shown to him in these like these pictures that she shows him and it's very unsettling the so I, I do think this is where it, the film also then has another little shift right you you cast the three leads of this film don't belong in the same film mm -hmm. diane weist is in a a very interesting serious movie about uh childhood trauma and how that affects people growing up and how suppressing that is very unhealthy and that could lead to violence dangerous things down the line yeah that's that's a that's an interesting film I'll, I'll i'll watch that uh albert brooks is in a really interesting film about you know kind of like greed and 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 uh kind of trying to get his way up on stuff that's that's interesting brendan frazier's in 
a like Encino Man, which is its own film too. But you throw those three together and you get a very bad combo. And this film has no business dealing with the themes that are introduced when he goes to Dr. Aaron. Yeah. These ideas that he is has some big trauma, which, which we never really actually go into beyond just using that as a tool to make the character weird. Yeah. It, not great. You, you just introduce the idea of, oh, he had some serious trauma with his parents and that is why he is strange. But like, that's not, it's like you just touched on that and they just use that. And then they're like, that means that he can be normal to a child to like, actually you should be really scared for your life because he might be violent and dangerous. He literally throws all of Al's plates out the window at a group of amassed press below. Like, and he doesn't stop. That's the thing. I think if he threw like one or two just to like scare him off, it wouldn't have read quite as creepy. Instead, he sits there and he throws like a stack of 10 plates, like they're frisbees at these reporters, like seven or eight floors below. And he just is like, shows absolutely no emotion the entire time. Just frisbeeing plates out while Al screams at him to stop. Like it's, it is a, a super unsettling. I don't know. Like it's, it's in the more immortal words of TikTok, it's uncomfy. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't feel good. Well, and it also is a film. It really just doesn't work, right? So you have this, this sort of art. Somebody has to have an arc in the film. Somebody has to have an arc. And technically the protagonist of the film is Al Piccolo, uh, Albert Brooks, the scout. And he does not change at all until the very last like line he says, basically, is, that, is like the only little change. But even then it's not really an arc. He basically ends at the exact same place where he begins. The character of Steve Nebraska is this challenge for him, but the film just kind of sh shakes back and forth between, is this person like, are, are they going to be friends? Is this actually gonna turn really dangerous? And when it gets to the conclusion of the film and spoiler alert for this film, don't watch it, that's the spoiler alert. But when it gets to the conclusion of the film, Steve Nebraska has his kind of, um, mental break that that the the doctor is sort of concerned about and saying like if you keep pushing him this is going to be he's going to we don't know what will happen and before his first game again we will get to the baseball stuff after this uh he he kind of he freaks out he has a panic attack um he ends up on the roof of the stadium but that's a really strange thing as a film because in the film we are told that this character doesn't, um, like baseball stuff is like super just natural. It's actually his escape. It's, it's totally fine. It's just him just chill and it doesn't really matter. So the fact that the baseball thing is what triggers that makes no sense since you could have had something where you introduce the parents again. You introduce, you bring like the dad in, he like gets interviewed or something like that. That, that causes that. It just happens out of nowhere. And it's because the film didn't really know what to do with this topic. And it just, as a film, it really is very frustrating. Yeah, and like the relationship between Al and 
Steve Nebraska. Like you think it's going to develop. Like that could have been the arc there. Is their relationship? Is it going to become a friendship of some sort of father son dynamic? And then at the end, you know, the only reason that Al goes up to the roof is to get him to pitch because he's got a lot of money riding on it. And I know that's Al's character and that's what he does, but there's just no development, not even in, in their relationship. And even though I don't know if I would have been satisfied if there was a development in that relationship, they didn't even try. Like, yeah. give me something to be like, oh, okay, that's sweet. And they just didn't even try. I don't know if they ran out of budget, they ran out of time. The script just never went anywhere. But yeah, it was it was super disappointing. Yeah, it doesn't give you that feeling that Al really cared about Steve. Like, there was no development of emotion. He definitely still, he cared only as much about Steve as he did about Tommy at the beginning. He was a piece to prove himself. And the only reason he goes up onto the rooftop to talk Steve down is because, you know, Steinbrenner's given him the stink eye in the, like, the manager's box. So it, it's, it's all about Al. It's only ever about Al. And he spends the entire kind of final portion of that act trying to talk him down off the roof to go play. And then finally, when he's like, this is just not worth my time, he's like, whatever, I don't care. And it's only when he doesn't care and he's not mad that, Brendan Fraser's character goes, oh, okay, you're not going to get mad at me, which is clearly tied to the, you know, the the, the rooted abuse history. Um, that's when he turns around, because obviously, and they don't give you this in any sense in any of the performances, it's the fear of disappointing the father figure that is keeping him from going forward. But that's not given to you at all. So it's, uh, it, it's not, it's not great. Um, it, it, there's about, and before we'll get into the baseball, I'd say in total with the baseball, there's maybe 15 minutes of that entire movie that are about baseball at all. And the rest of it is just a mess of inconsistent themes and, and tones. And I think we'll, we'll take a little bit of a break. We'll come back and then we'll talk about those 15 minutes of baseball and whether or not they are even worth your time. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, so we're back. And since this is a movie podcast about baseball movies, we thought it was pretty imperative that we talk about the baseball aspects of the scout. Um, I noticed a couple things right off the hop. Uh, this movie has no concept uh, of what baseball is, um, I think maybe. <laughs> There's a couple points I made. I had to take notes because this is uh, substantial. For one thing, Al, a noted professional scout, does not believe you can find baseball players in Canada, um, which I believe Joey Votto would like to have some words about. Uh, another thing is he sneers at the idea of going to Mexico, asking if Mexico has ever even heard of baseball. And I looked and it up. And mentions Fernando Valenzuela later in the movie. Who's from Mexico? Looks it up. I looked it up because I wanted to know how wrong his like how stupid you have to be to be a professional scout and to say this baseball professionally has been played in mexico since the 1930s and the mexican leagues have been affiliated with minor league baseball since the 1950s so 
for Al to not know, and like, as I think all of us know that Mexico is a huge conduit for Cuban players as well, and would have been in 1994 as well. And I, I think the entire concept of Al sneering at the idea of finding baseball players, not only in Canada, which hurt me personally, I was very mad about it, but not finding any in Mexico is absurd. Like it's, I know it's played for laughs, but I got so angry. I started pulling up articles like immediately on my phone. <laughs> and, and the only other thing I got to say about the Mexico part of it is I thought it was a very interesting choice to give the only white player on a Mexican baseball team, a number 42 Jersey. That wow, I didn't a, even notice. I didn't even notice his jersey. That number. was a choice. I saw it right away because, wow. yes, yeah, Steve Nebraska's jersey in the Mexican leagues is a number forty-two, and I thought that was. And the entire team carries him in on a like a throne of baseball bats. There's a, a lot of like a white savior thing going on with him on that team that was very uncomfortable as well. It, it's but, a very interesting. The film really is hitting you over the head with the King Kong like. Um, oh god metaphor like he like alpha was watching that at the beginning he mentions how he wants to find like it and then there's this and even at the end brendan fraser is on the mound he's yeah. beating his chest like king kong so it's like it's a very like yeah we get it the, we get the king kong thing and which they still could have done that actually in the film part where you have that the whole message of king kong is like the yeah. that desire kind of kill you know kills the beast and ruins everything beautiful uh, but they don't know what they're they get like with everything they don't know what they're doing with it they just say like king kong right and then just say that a million times and so can we talk about um steve nebraska's showcase um where yes. we get all the scouts uh, i want to raise a, a an a plus for having one single lady scout in that entire scene but i was still pretty impressed by it i saw her i was like yes girl you get it um and <laughs> apart from the cameos which were great and were actually played during the season in 1994. Uh, I don't know who came on to bat. Who was, it wasn't, Keith Hernandez came on Keith, to bat. Keith Hernandez and Brett Saberhagen. Brett Saberhagen actually had to go across town after filming that scene to play, like to go to a Mets game that he, cause he was still on the team at the time. So he like filmed that scene at Yankee stadium, hustled over to Shea stadium. And like, you could find footage of him in the dugouts for the Mets uh, that same day, uh, which I thought was kind of fun, but um, apparently nobody at the Yankees camp has ever learned how to use a radar gun, which I found very interesting because, well, 1994, testing, not a lot of people pop in that radar gun, I guess. Well, apparently nobody in 1994 had ever heard of a, a baseball going over hundred miles an hour because this, uh, this Yankees guy with the, the gun was just like, this darn thing must be broken. I don't know. It's showing me these numbers. And then our lowly scout Al is like, no, you fool, it means this. And friends, let's talk about the speed of Steve Nebraska's supposed pitches, shall we? Um, what what were you, we got 106? We got 109 at some point. And at the end, we got a 112. A 112. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen the documentary Fastball? I have. I yeah. have where they yeah. kind of did all of the testing and they tried to figure out who actually had the fastest pitch based on the different eras. And it was pretty much universally agreed that Nolan Ryan probably threw the fastest fastballs 
historically. It's, a, it's an actual great baseball movie, so we'll never talk about it except for <laughs> reference material on this podcast. Um, this movie suggests that Steve Nebraska can throw faster fastballs than Nolan Ryan, than Aroldis Chapman, than anybody alive in baseball today, basically. He's just that good. Um, I don't know well, about physics. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely doesn't work physics-wise. I do think that's sort of the almost like that I could believe that if you went more fanciful with a lot of the film because I mentioned like he's like a cross between like like Sid Finch that's like for people that don't know that's like a very famous like I guess it was a Sports Illustrated hoax but it was a it was a fake article um written by George Plimpton about this you know mystical player uh from you know learned yoga in tibet and threw a fastball like 160 miles per hour and he was signed by the mets and uh type of type of thing right and and i think baseball works really well when you baseball films work really well when you really actually kind of dive into some of that magic um like the natural has some like you know roy hobbs has a bat uh felled by lightning carved you know like there is something magical there so i think you could have almost made that work but the speed is almost too slow and too fast at the same time. It's too slow because it's like, well, this seems, it's in the realm of possibility, but it's way too fast for it actually being in the physical realm of possibility. But at the same time, the fact that catchers are literally getting knocked over at like 105 miles an hour, when we have seen like a Raldis Chapman throw 105 miles per hour, and we've seen Jordan Hicks throw 105 miles an hour, that seems like a little, it's just a little much. So it's like, you could make it like, just make it 130. You don't know what baseball is. Just go crazy with it. Just go nuts. <laughs> I mean, I've seen what a check swing, when a check swing on a Justin Verlander 100 happened, it's something, but I've also never seen a catcher get thrown backwards on one of those catches, one of those pitches going through. So like, it's, uh, it's uh, not, not great. Um, I wanted to make a couple other points because, Oh my god. My only note so on the one thing about literally about the one more thing about the the showcase, right? So this whole showcase, um, every every scout comes out to see it and every team comes out to see it. And basically it's Steve Nebraska in like, you know, sneakers and shorts against uh Keith no Hernandez. warm up needed. No warm-up needed. Doesn't no warm-up need needed to throw one twelve. It's fine. Uh, well, no, and no, no Tommy and, John there. <laughs> and Keith Hernandez goes up and, and he strikes out. Uh, so he strikes him out on three pitches, you know, blown away. Okay. But then he also can hit. So then out comes Brett, uh, Brett Saberhagen. And then suddenly uh, Steve Nebraska is hitting absolute bombs off of Saberhagen out of Yankee Stadium, smashing the, smashing the lights. So based off of three pitches and a handful of swings. That's it, that's the showcase. Immediately, the feeding frenzy for signing him, George Steinbrenner says, any cost. Any cost. Uh, which is very accurate, actually. George Steinbrenner is the most accurate piece of this film. Like he, I think, was played perfectly. Played by himself, I think, wasn't he? It was, yeah, it was yeah. George himself, rest in yeah. peace, big man. Um, but yeah, it was very much, and you know, it's him kind of paying, poking fun at himself. And this is also a great uh, flashback in time, 1994, to where the Yankees are an uh, embarrassment. 
Like everybody's talking about how the Yankees and one of the big baseball things in the whole film is how Steve Nebraska doesn't want to pitch this year for mm -hmm. some reason, uh, really not explained. Like, again, this guy has no really like fear of spotlight. He's just completely like whatever. And yet he doesn't want to pitch. And the whole thing is, okay, he'll pitch, but if they make the World Series and it's- And it's like, ah, ah, ah. Oh, yeah. the, it's like, yeah, it would be like saying, you know, if the Detroit Tigers were gonna make the World Series next year, like everyone would be like, ah, good jokes, 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 jokes. Negotiated in front of the media, like in front of the press, <laughs> yeah. this giant room with, this with Steve Nebraska sitting there. Uh, let's talk about the deal. Cause would we consider Steve Nebraska an international signing? Would he just be an invited free agent? Would he not still be a rookie technically? Would he not then be uh, required to go through, you know, rookie level payment would be my understanding. Instead, he is immediately given a $55 million contract. Um, cool, that's how baseball works. Um, and then my favorite, my favorite anachronism in this whole movie, my favorite wrongness of this entire film is that they say, oh, well, if the Yankees make the World Series, Steve Nebraska will pitch game one. After not playing in any other games the entire season, after not being on the roster that we can tell before Any September, games in like, the United States, period. There's not a single minor league game. He didn't mm -hmm. even play like a, like a full inning against, like with a defense behind him. He, yep. he threw three pitches to Keith Hernandez, yeah. who just showed up in sweats yeah. and they're going to be like, yeah, game one of the world, game one series. Of the world series will be your first game. No other part of the postseason, nothing. I'm yeah. They're like, yep, that's how that's going to happen. Game one of the world series. And I'm just sitting there going, uh, uh, no, no. Like that, if that were the case, then why would not somebody just go and pick the greatest baseball player out of Japan on September 30th? and be like, that guy, if we get to the World Series, will 100% be our starting pitcher. Because that's not, that's not how it happened. No, no, no. The, the one thing the, that makes me angry is about this whole movie. <laughs> what's so wild too, is that the baseball part of it is, is such a afterthought really. Because it's like, yes, the Yankees, if they have to make the World Series, that's the thing, right? That's gonna be like, kind of the thing to overcome is everybody's saying the Yankees are going to do it. Like the, the, you know, the doorman is saying it and, 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 and Steve's getting worried and nervous about it. Again, he's never pitched like at, at all to anybody that any human being in the Yankees organization has seen besides Alpha Colo. That's the only person that's ever seen him pitch in a game. And it was in this, you know, league where there was like, it's just like not a high competitive thing. The Yankees do get to the World Series in this film, obviously. Uh, what is happening to this team that actually wins the AL pennant? And they're just like, screw all of you guys. We're starting this. Like, they must have had some good pitching, right? Somebody must have actually been pitching. Like, what happened to that person? Where is the, like, what, what is happening? Why is he suddenly, and I, I took a note of it, Al, like the, the sportscasters and Bob Costas are talking about as the game ends, as the Yankees clinch the pennant, the first thing they say is the Yankees clinch the pennant, which means we get to see Steve Nebraska pitch. Like, this team just wanted, this is for 
about the rest of these guys. Nobody else on this roster matters. We only want Steve Nebraska. Not these guys who pulled off a miracle season that nobody thought was going to take them to the World Series. No, 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 no. We want to see this guy that Tony Bennett calls out of the crowd at concerts because he's the like the number one hype and nobody's ever seen him do anything ever. Just fascinating. Can we talk about cameos for a second? Because this movie is full of cameos. There's quite a few. George Steinbrenner, who ends up playing like a like an actual role in the movie. Like I thought he's when like we saw him at the most tryout. Parts. Right. <laughs> I saw him at the tryout. He, he gave his one line like, oh, whatever it takes. I'm like, oh, that was cool. George Steinbrenner. We'll never see him again. He becomes a character. You mentioned Tony Bennett. We get Keith Hernandez, who I guess is just the king of baseball cameos. We get Brett Saberhagen. Apparently, George Brett's brother, Ken Brett, was also in it. Uh, on, on the Ozzie Wikipedia Smith? page. Well, yeah, Ozzy Smith. Um, on the Wikipedia page, they credit Brian Cashman as having a cameo, who was still work- he was working with the Yankees in 1994, but I can't find any evidence of him in the movie, and it's not on IMDb. So I think that one might not be true. I looked or he through got the- cut. Uh, but yeah, I might have to watch it back just for that. Bob Costas. And this wasn't a cameo, because this was only like his second film role ever. I don't know if you guys Simmons. noticed J.K. Simmons. As I one of the co- Yankee him. coaches at the end. That was cool Absolutely. to see. It was like his second film role ever. He looks exactly the same now. Like he is not. He looks younger. He looks younger day now, Since 1994. Uh, but yeah, I was like, J.K. Simmons, what are you doing in this movie? I was so excited about it. It's actually one of my notes. Hey, random J.K. Simmons. Uh, yeah. I uh, literally just wrote J.K. Simmons exclamation point on my notebook when I saw him. So another thing about the baseball in this movie, by the way, it's shot the worst sports movie, like cinematography I've ever seen. And I don't know, and this might, this might be slander against Brendan Fraser. So I do apologize to Brendan Fraser. However, there is not a single film frame in this movie where Brendan Fraser in like a medium or a long shot where he is throwing a baseball. Yep. Now, a very good baseball movie in Bull Durham has Nuke Lelouch, uh, who is terrible, terrible mechanics, right? Absolutely terrible mechanics. But he at least is throwing the ball. Like You see him throw the ball. And yeah, it wouldn't get that fast and blah, blah, blah. But you see him throw the ball. Every time that Steve Nebraska throws a baseball, it is basically on his face it is so close they will not let him throw a baseball and then it's or it's like a very long wide that's definitely not brendan frazier yeah it's like somebody with like much shorter hair and so like they are so he must have thrown so poorly that they were like we can't use any of this just immediate just have eyes and that's throw the ball I don't even know if they use baseballs in those scenes because it's usually just like a a swishing camera shot and then a catcher going flying like it's there's nothing about it that I think speaks to any kind of evidence of liking pitching or liking baseball because like there's you see it's like watching golf in this the parts where he hits because all of a sudden it's just a ball flying over an outfield wall and there's nothing about it that kind of celebrates the mechanics or the physicality of baseball. Like it's a joke that he says he doesn't need to warm up. I'm so sorry. Like it's just good to go. I'm going to throw 106 now. Like it's just, there's no awareness of like any part of that. And like, I get it. It's supposed to be like, oh, he's such a natural. He doesn't need it. But like, I'm sorry. Anybody who can throw 106 miles an hour needs to warm up a couple times. Like, 
you can't anyway I, I digress um but you're right like there's no part of it that shows him in any way completing any aspect of the game and and then I made notes that were like the the final act so spoiler again don't watch it um but the the final act like the very final part of the movie is him tackling this first first ever game and he makes history he makes history because he wins the game from both sides in that he pitches a literal perfect game all on strikeouts an immaculate perfect game all on strikeouts 82 pitches yeah and oh god it would have been maddox too so mm, chef's kiss well done maddox in immaculate every immac yeah. nine immaculate every innings. the most perfect game ever pitched nobody in makes contact and he also is the person to score the the runs for the yankees in that he hits a two-run home run and so the only because of course he's good at everything um so the, the runs scored are his and then the shutout perfect game maddox immaculate innings all around um is all his why it's, is he swinging a bat it's in yankee stadium it's an american league it's game. An, that's the other thing it's an american league game you would never like we've seen it we've seen a, a pitcher hitter combo in shohei otani you don't do it on the same days like the only time it would make sense is if they were playing at a different stadium and it wasn't yankee stadium it just wouldn't happen you it wouldn't happen and the the whole thing that killed me about that is that should have been exciting like i'm sorry you are you're pitching the most perfect game that baseball has ever seen you get three close-ups of brendan fraser's face ozzy smith looking stymied by strikeouts and there's a couple scoreboard shots uh, and the the announcer's going oh strikeout strikeout and i'm sorry in a baseball movie where you have something that should be that exciting that your like heart should be racing you should wonder there should be at least something that happens that makes you question whether or not he's going to get there and there wasn't it was all just no oh, of course he's going to get there he's steve nebraska It's pretty bad. It's one of those things where like the like the fact that like Steve Nebraskan can do everything is like there is certain things like a superhero movie where like the flying is not a big deal. But then they do something very small that's wrong and that's a big deal cuz it's like well that doesn't even make any sense. So like him batting is really egregiously annoying. Him throwing 112 or whatever like ash or whatever. But like him batting is like just it doesn't make any sense. Also as a baseball drama, Ashley is, you're so right. Like there is the least drama in the sport as possible. Like the fact that he, they even, the film decides to be like, ooh, here comes Ozzy Smith. Oh, he, he could break up this perfect game. It's only, also it's two runs, like make it one run. Yeah. Make it one run so that he could actually tie the game or something. Like, yeah. I don't get it. Like they did, they don't know how to do the like sports part, but like you have this thing, you have Ozzy Smith coming up and they try to make it dramatic. The guy has struck him out at this point mm -hmm. twice on six pitches. So I, I don't think it's very dramatic that we're gonna be like, he struck out everybody with nobody making a single bit of contact and no balls. 
I, I'm sorry, there's no drama here. He's like a literal he's god. A machine. He like, can he's, be destroyed. He's, he's like Dr. Manhattan machine. on a baseball diamond. I don't yeah. get it. It's too much. But I feel like I always, even just watching the film, I'm like, okay, the better drama to this is him take like actually being signed by the Yankees, taking over the team. They're terrible. And then because of Steam Nebraska, he leads them to the pennant. Yes. To the World Series. And you can save the bat to when they go to St. Louis. Like you can save that. And then you can save the like immaculate thing for like a game seven or something. Like Or like have him be hitting in the game and not pitching and have the regular pitcher suddenly like not feel like in a twinge, you know, can't finish the game. Steve Nebraska has to come in to like finish off the World Series, save the team, win it all. It wasn't even the end of the World Series. It was game one. Have like, him have him like blow out his arm or something. And then he has to bat. And it's like, that's the, like, oh, there's the drama of him. Lo- like the people were basically like, you you said it at the beginning. There does not need to be any baseball in this movie. Mm-mm. There is nothing about this that needs baseball. And the filmmakers, I would actually say the filmmakers don't know baseball, but Michael Ritchie directed the Bad News Bears, which is one of the best baseball movies of all time. So he knows better. And it's based on something written by Roger Angel. So they're at its core is probably a very beautiful baseball story. I know it's actually based on a guy, a guy who never actually went on to like play in the majors, but it's it's based on another guy named Steve, whose last name I've forgotten already. But um, like it, it's they there's they needed to separate these things into different. You're right. It's three movies in one. None of them are good, but like there's fragments of interesting movies here and I think we could have easily written a better version of this movie that was very baseball-y with very little effort like it's just that the baseball there the baseball should have been the core of the tension and it wasn't there was no tension in the baseball at all he, he meteoric rise to fame nothing stopping him Sure, I went to college. Nobody's going to question me because I just said it in a, you know, a press conference. No, nobody's going to look at that. The Yankees have no way to check college baseball records, Steve Nebraska. Who would know? Oh, my in God. In bo- also both a baseball f- side of things and a movie side of things, it also really bothers me that the general manager of the Yankees who fires Al Piccolo, there's nothing, there's no like tension there yeah. or like drama. Like he gets fired. That's the idea, right? Like that's the thing is George Steinbrenner is like, wait, wasn't that our scout? It's like, oh yeah, I, I fired him after he said like, this is the best guy. And he's like, you're fired. And like, that's your bad sports movie thing. Like, give me that at least. Like there's nothing like Steinbrenner had to pay 55 million for this guy who he could have gotten for a lot less yeah. and actually had to compete if his general manager doesn't fire his scout. What are you doing? <laughs> The more interesting thing would have been if like they went all in on 55 and then all of a sudden it's the Reds who went in at 60 and they didn't get him. And that's an interesting twist. Like there's no twists to this. It's just that Steve is really weird. He might murder Al in his sleep. But as far as baseball goes, like also the fact that they use the same response from a nervous pitcher twice in this movie like Tommy Lacey leaves the game. He throws up on the mound and walks out of the game and he just, he can't do it. He can't pitch. Got to go home. Got to go back to Jesus and mom. 
and that's it for Tommy Lacey. And then all of a sudden you're at the big game with Steve Nebraska and he's like, I'm going to go for a walk. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me that we are doing the exact same thing with this right now. This, like, this really just showcases though, the, the importance of the minor of minor league baseball and how it does need to survive because it's a great place for people to grow and learn the sport as well as grow as human beings. So yeah. uh, this is just a real great sign that it's the Yankees to the need immediately for signing pitchers and then forcing them into high stress situations without going through the minor league system. Not smart, not a great thing. One of my notes on Tommy Lacey at the beginning was how the hell did this kid get into the majors without, you know, pitching? Like he has an absolute- I, I, I literally think the film thinks that after Al saw like an inning at that stadium, he signs him and then he is immediately driven yeah. to New York and is put onto the mound. A hundred percent what the, the screenwriter thinks. A freshman or not, no, he's a senior in high school. He's not going to college yet. He wants to go to college. No, he's a freshman in college. He he's wants to college. finish okay. college first. Yeah. He immediately is put on the mound of Yankee Stadium, throws up, freaks out, runs away. Who could blame him? Yeah, <laughs> that's insane. Oh yeah. my gosh, this film. It's bad as a movie, it's bad as baseball. Okay, I think we've talked quite a bit about the, the baseball aspect of it and how terrible they are. Um, I think one part we want to do on this podcast, uh, I, I want to talk about our favorite parts and our least favorite parts at the very end. But since this is part of the Rays podcast network uh, and we are Rays writers, uh, I think we want to every time we watch one of these, pick a player that we would pick to put on the Rays. And uh, not a lot of options here. Um, so I want Lacey in the minors. Maybe really work out Michael Rappaport. Not going to go with Tommy Lacey. And I mean, we could, I think the reason we put this category in so we could like cheat and I could say Ozzy Smith, um, which I mean, I might, but I, I think. Once I get a look at his pitch mechanics, which would have been a lot easier if I could have seen Brendan Fraser's hands, uh, I gotta go with uh, with Steve Nebraska, the the two way switch hitting pitcher uh, hitter combo. Yeah, I, I it's it's definitely Steve Nebraska. I mean, he's a walking cheat code and get the Yankees or get get you know him away from the Yankees, who clearly don't know how to develop talent uh, on and off the field in this movie. Uh, get him to the Rays. Let Kyle Snyder work with them. Uh, he even better, even better. But the Rays like two-way players. Steve Nebraska. There you go. Brett, what you got? Easy. Opening day starter and uh, DH. So the only options are Tommy Lacey and Steve Nebraska. What we saw a lot of Tommy Lacey. You can go college. Keith Hernandez. You can go Bert, like like Brett Saberhagen. Anybody that's in the film that plays baseball is up for grabs. I will take a fictional baseball player, and I'll kind of g- g- keep on with the, what you guys are saying about minor league baseball and the need for it. And I'm just going to hope and pray that all Tommy Lacey needs is a couple seasons in Montgomery and Durham, and then he'll be ready to go. So uh, Tommy, Tommy Lacey, Lacey, true believer. You know, Cheap, cheaper got, signing. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if the Rays could, even now, (laughs) you know, 25 years later, could afford Steve Nebraska. Uh, So, yeah, give me Tommy Lacey. Give me Michael Rappaport. Uh, And to be honest, I had no idea that Michael Rappaport looked different than the way he does today. (laughs) So seeing him in this movie was, uh, was, was a surprise. Yes. 
it, it took me a minute because he's walking through the parking lot and I'm like, oh, look at that skinny white kid. And all of a sudden I'm like, hey, wait, I know who that guy is. It was alarming. Uh, all right, uh, as we wrap up, let's pick our favorite and least favorite part of the movie. Darby, why don't you start us off? Uh, favorite favorite part has got to be Albert Brooks, honestly. Like it, without Albert Brooks, this film is uh, just just the worst thing ever with Albert Brooks there's some there's some jokes amongst it there is some jokes uh him basically being told by Diane Weiss that um him as a father figure is actually might be quite dangerous because Steve Nebraska might uh be very violent towards his father and Al Piccolo immediately responding how about as an uncle and then as he opens the door hey your uncle Al is one that's a very perfect Albert Brooks joke and I don't know if it was written or if he it, you know kind of improvised that a little bit but that is uh, it saves it's like water in the desert every time Albert Brooks is like giving you something that's like that is that is something funny oh my gosh and then you cuts back to Steve Nebraska and you're just very uncomfortable which that's my least favorite part is just watch every time he's on screen it's just unsettling Every time Brendan Fraser is on screen, and I don't hate Brendan Fraser at all, but in this movie, I am just uncomfortable 100% of the time that he's on screen because I don't know what's happening, but I don't like it. Nope. Brett, what you got? I'll, I'll kind of stick with what Darby said. My favorite part of the movie was everything before we saw Steve Nebraska come through that fence in uh, in Mexico. Well, and, and really that whole Mexico part is terrible. Let me talk about my favorite part first. But the scenes with Tommy Lacey when they're with his family and there's a couple really good jokes in there. And I'm thinking, okay, this might be like a charming movie about a scout trying to find the next big thing. And it was just not that at all. Uh, my least favorite part was, was Mexico. Throw that whole, all of those scenes out the window. There were a lot of like just really, really bad stereotypes throughout those scenes. And there was that really tired trope of the one like white American character assumes that, uh, a non-American person doesn't speak English and says something in English and, oh, ha, ha, he did speak English. He understood everything you said. Uh, it it was just bad. And I don't know, Steve Nebraska could have just been from like Nebraska or something and they just get, named him Steve Nebraska. Throw Mexico out the window. It was terrible. But then how could Al have been surprised that Mexico has baseball? <sighs> Great question. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of picked, picked some minor stuff, stuff like, like little, little things that stuck out as being really good as my favorites. favorites. The, the scene where they're doing the showcase, showcase and he's hitting and all of a sudden he's like, mind if I switch sides? I was just, just like, shut up! Shut up! He's a switcher! I started laughing so hard. I'm like, that's the best. Of course he is. Of course he's a switcher. Why not? Sky can do everything. I laughed really hard. And then there's a the part at the very end where Al kind of in his, his attempt to kind of give up and say, no, I'm not going to be mad at you. He says, says to Steve Nebraska, he's like, what's the worst that could happen? And he's like, you lose. And it was just like this, be you, that is a beautiful baseball moment. That's like taking the psychology of it and being like, what is the worst thing that's going to happen to you on that mound? You lose the game. And then Steve says, Half of the guys on that field do that every night. And I'm like, yes, Steve Nebraska. That is a, that, that was beautiful. I love that whole thing. Uh, I hated, hated, hated the therapy shaming. There was so much of it. It was like, if you go to therapy, there's something deeply wrong with you. Um, 
in general, the movie was just terrible. But I think that the, the, the his first game, the game one of the World Series, I just the, the it confounded me. It confounded belief. I couldn't couldn't do it. it was super mad. Um, and yeah, um, that that was for me. So guys, that was our take on the Scout. Um, I can't say that we suggest you watch it. Um, because, because it's not, not good, and everybody who told me it was good is a liar, and I hope every person on Twitter who suggested this movie to me is real happy with yourself right now. Um, we will be back in two weeks. I think what's our next one? Fever Pitch? I think so. I think we're, we'll we're, we're in, coming back to modern baseball. Leaning into Valentine's Day with a romantic Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore classic. Uh, we'll be talking about Fever Pitch. And uh, you can find Darby, Brett, and myself over at draysbay.com, where we do a variety of writing, editing, podcasting duties. And we hope to see you back again next time. So thanks, everybody, and have a great day.